Please turn your Bibles to the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 30. 1 Samuel, chapter 30. And we'll begin reading from verse 1 through verse 8. The Bible says, And it, it came to pass, when David and his men were come to Ziklag, on the third day, that the Amalekites had invaded the south, and Ziklag, and smitten Ziklag, and burned it with fire, and had taken the women captives, they were therein, they slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away, and went on their way. Verse 3, so David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burnt with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives were taken captives, Ahinam, the Jesuite, and Abigail, the wife of Nabal, the Carmelite. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him because the soul of the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And David said to Abedha, the priest, Ahimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abedha brought thither the ephod to David. Verse eight, and David inquired, of the Lord saying, shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail, recover all. Let us pray. Father, I pray that you fill me with the Holy Spirit. Open our understanding. Lord, help me to speak with clarity. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Tonight I would like to speak on this topic. The road to Jerusalem goes through Ziklag. The road to Jerusalem goes through Ziklag. You know, all of us, we sometimes think, and you may think, what is God up to? With everything that's going on around the world, what is God up to? And then, you know, so many times in our lives, we are so inquisitive on a lot of things. And you may wonder, how is the Lord using this matter? And how is he going to get me through all that? And I want to give you an example. One day, I just got a call from a friend, and he said, pray. And you see, when a friend calls you, that's kind of like a distress call. Pray. And I'm like, okay, is everything okay? Then he told me, John's little girl is hurt. And I'm like, how? Some mean neighbor boy threw a ball right into her mouth. They rushed her to the dentist to try and see if something can be done but nothing could be done. So the dentist sent them to the hospital. And so the girl is in the hospital. 
And you see, when all this is happening, all the attention is on the girl, and all the anger is on the boy. And so the doctor comes out and informs them that the girl, once they took all the x-rays, they found a large tumor in the roof of her mouth. And the doctor also told them that they would be able to operate and remove this tumor. But if they had prolonged, that kind of surgery would have brought some more complications. And you see, at times, so many things happen in our life. And we, the, the kind of reaction that we have is so violent because you, everything seems to be against us. And so many times, God is doing something just for us. And it's just that we just don't recognize it. And so when you read this, uh, this story of 1 Samuel chapter 30, what do you find? You find best friends, followers, probably 600 of them. And they're speaking of stoning David. Why? Because of the events that are taking place in there. And these are the same people who had given their lives, their fortune, their everything to do what? To follow David as the future king of Israel. And so, not at this moment. Why? Because things are taking place. And, and, and the, the thing that I want us to see is that if you can just jump ahead to verse 18, the Bible says of the same chapter, and David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away. And David rescued his two wives. Now, I, I want you to think, just think about that. Everything is taken. Your wives, the children, everything that you had, it's gone. And you cannot be able to recover. And you can wonder, why, why did he even have to begin with that? Ever think about that? When everything is gone, everything is taken? I mean, if you have that kind of incident taking place, a lot of times it just disrupts, it just disrupts everything you, know, you can ever imagine. And then after a certain period of time, every disruption is solved, and then everything goes back to normal. And then you wonder, why did God allow this? Why did he allow this? You know, what is God up to from point A to point B? And you see, there are so many things that I can talk about personally in my life that God did. And I'm always thinking, I don't even know what was going on. I didn't even know what God was up to. I don't even know what exactly was happening. But you see, after a while, it all leveled out. I want you to write that topic down. The road to Jerusalem. The road to Jerusalem always goes through Ziklag. Always goes through Ziklag. And I, 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 I would like you to, again, to look with me from verse 1 and verse 3 of that chapter 30. Because I want us to just stick with me and you'll get the real point. The passage says again from verse 1 through verse 3, And it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day 
that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and smitten Ziklag and burnt it with fire and had taken the women captives that were therein, they saw not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burnt with fire. And their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. So David comes to Ziklag, and he's been, uh, he's been there about 14 months, probably about a year and a half. And you see, he's been wandering in the wilderness for about 10 years. But you see, that's not the object. David is supposed to go to Jerusalem to become the king. And I would like you to hold your place and just turn with me uh, to the same uh, book, 1 Samuel, and go to chapter 16. Chapter 16. And now I read from verse 1. That way we can get the context of this. Verse 1. And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long will thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine own with oil and go. I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go if Saul hears it? He will kill me. And the Lord said, Take an heifer with thee and say, I am come to sacrifice to the Lord. And call Jesse to sacrifice, and I will show thee what thou shalt do. And thou shalt anoint unto me him whom I name unto thee. And Samuel did that which the Lord spake, and came to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled as his coming, and said, Comest thou peacefully? And he said, Peacefully, I am come to sacrifice unto the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and called them to, uh, to the sacrifice. And it came to pass when they were come that he looked on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord anointed is before him. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not, look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeketh not as man seeth. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For the man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this. Then Jesse made Shema to pass by, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this. Again Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel, and Samuel said unto Jesse, The Lord has not chosen this. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are, are here any, are here all thy children? And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest, and behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and wither of a beautiful countenance and, uh, and goodly to look. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. And Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So we find prophet Samuel is called to the house of David in Bethlehem. 
So he's going there to anoint David, one of Jesse's sons, to be king over Israel. And what we find here, the Bible says that when he arrived at that house, Samuel said unto Jesse, I want to see your sons. And they were brought one by one. And Samuel would say, not this. Not this. The Lord has not chosen this. And you see, this is our first introduction of David. Because David, who is now the most famous king of Israel, he is to become King David. The people at that time had chosen King Saul. And you see, King, King Saul was, the, was of the tribe of Benjamin, who are known as the warriors. But you see, David here, he's of the tribe of Judah, who are known as the kingly tribe. And so, David has now been anointed. While Samuel has come to anoint him king over Israel. And check this with me. While Saul is still on the throne. No, it's kind of like Brother Scott anointing me to be the boss while Biden is still in office. How do you think Biden will take that? Don't you think this is amazing? But you see, as a matter of fact, Samuel has concern, as the Bible tells us, because he's like, what if Saul finds out? He's definitely going to throw a fit about that. And he knew that Saul was going to bring much trouble. So David knows from this moment that he has been anointed king. But you know what? He doesn't become king. He doesn't. But do you ever believe that God has placed something in your heart to do? But it hasn't happened yet? You can't see it happening yet. I remember when Tracy and I decided, you know, that we loved each other and we ought to get married. We didn't get married immediately, you know. We had to wait for seven years. Can you imagine that? Seven years. There are things I knew that God wanted me to do and was doing in me. I knew God wanted me to start a church. I knew he wanted me to uh, start a Bible, uh, uh, to start a youth camp, help out at the Bible college. But you see, I had to wait for so many years for that to happen. Now, I want you to think of that. Certain things had to take place in my life. And a lot of those things had to do with my own heart. God had to do with me first. And what I'm saying to you tonight is that from Bethlehem to Jerusalem, it's a very short distance. It's about five miles. It won't take long to travel, definitely, from David's house in Bethlehem to get to Jerusalem. But you see, God is not going to take David straight from Bethlehem to Jerusalem. And the point that I want to make here tonight is that the road to Jerusalem, the road to doing what God wants you to do, the road to having what God wants you to have, the road 
to doing whatever God would have you do must always go through Ziklag. Must always go through Ziklag. And uh, I would like the guys to shoot uh, that image. Now, if you have good eyesight, I would like you, I would like you to see where Bethlehem is and where Jerusalem is. And I want you to see where Ziklag is. Geographically, you would see that Ziklag is in the wrong way, in the wrong path, in the wrong direction. But guess what? David could not go straight to Jerusalem. He had to go south because God had to deal with him. And you see, there are things God has placed in your heart. There are things that God has told you to do. And there are things that God is preparing you to do. But you cannot have them yet. You know why? Because you must go through Ziklag and learn the lessons that God has for you. The road to Jerusalem always go through Ziklag. And so if you get anxious like me many times and, and you want things to happen now, you know, this way and that way, I want you to think again. I want you to think again. You see, we don't just read from the Bible how David went straight from, Jerusalem, uh, uh, from Bethlehem to Jerusalem and, and, and got anointed king and a king saw God, you know, got killed by the Lord. No, that's not what we read here. What do we read? That he had to even flee from Saul in, in Bethlehem and go to Ziklag and gather men. And these men even come and turn against him later because they even conspired to stone him. But God was preparing him to be the king through all that. And you see, I call this the unconscious preparation. You see, this unconscious preparation is where God is so much actively involved in your life to bring you to a certain point at a certain time without your knowledge, without you being actively in it. And you cannot say, no, this is my unconscious preparation. God is still actively involved in your life because he's trying to prepare you for things that you don't even know. David was being unconsciously prepared by God. But that unconscious preparation could not happen in Jerusalem. It could not certainly happen in Bethlehem. He had to take him down to Ziklag. Why? Because there are things David had to learn before he could ever be the king of Israel. Why am I saying all this? I remember when I came to Bible college. I had a plan. I had a projection. I had an idea, or many ideas. I had a strategy. See, I even made notes about it. And I shared all these with so many of you. And I still do. I hope I still do. A lot of you ask me, so what are you planning? But you see, some of them are yet to be accomplished. You know, they are still in the making. And they are still, there are things I still believe God wants me to do. But you know what? It's not yet. It's still not God's time. And I want you, as a Christian, if you know the Lord as your personal Savior, if you have asked the Lord to forgive your sin and through faith have trusted him as your personal Savior, I want you to make this as one of your abiding principles in your life.
Whatever great things you may believe God has for you, you will have to go through your own ziklag. Your training time, whatever it may be, before you go to the Jerusalem God has for you. I want you to hold your place in, uh, again and go uh, to the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter uh, 4, and verse 15. 2 Corinthians. Second Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 15. You know David has been mentioned uh, in 54 chapters of the Bible, and that's about 1,127 times. It's amazing, right? And uh, see what the Bible says here. Chapter 4, uh, verse 15 through verse 18. The Bible says, For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God, for which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us for more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Well, we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. You see, God is actually saying to us, look at the things which are not seen. I want you to use your spiritual vision and see something that is not seen by the outward eyes. And so that these eternal things can make an impact in our lives. The impact that God wants us to have. I think of our young people in, uh, in our church. Some of them will be away from home, from tomorrow, for the first time away from family. Some of them will even sleep in strange beds for the very first time ever. But you see, along that journey, Along that journey, I want you to understand that God is dealing with you. God is trying to single you out. God is trying to get you alone with him. And you know, the ultimate, you know, the greatest lesson that he wants you to learn so that he can speak direct to you and so that he can do to you things that no one else can ever do for you but only God. Go with me back to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 30 in our text. So we find David comes to Ziklag. He's exhausted. Of course, it takes him a long time to return. And when they top the hill, that's all he says, what does he find? He finds ruins. He finds it burned with fire. And when you look at this crowd of men, you know, they're brave. They're fighting men. And so what happens is that, the, you know, these are the kind of men who look, when you look at them, they look like they can literally take anything head on. But what does the Bible say? When they saw their wives taken, their children taken, everything taken. What happened? Read with me verse 3 and 4. 
So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burnt with fire, and their wives and their sons and daughters were taken captives. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. Did you ever cry until you, had, you could cry no more? You see, that's what God says here. They wept until they could not cry anymore. Until their grief, their combined grief, turned into anger. But you see, this is one of the pillars of leadership. You see, the pillar of leadership is that, you know, we gotta blame somebody. You're the one who did it. You're the one who brought us here to suffer. We've lost everything. And it's all because of you. And you see, they started to whisper among themselves. That's what the Bible says there. And in verse 6, And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him. Can you imagine that? They conspire to stone him? He gets distressed. And you know when they're saying, when, they, when they're talking and whispering to themselves, they're like, your life is over. All these big dreams you had, it's over. It's not going to happen. You're going to die right here. We're going to stone you and you're going to die right here. Now, you know sometimes, let me tell you, many times God turns people against us. You know, this is the most difficult lesson that you can ever learn. The people that you think are the closest to you, your friends, the, your, your help, turning against you. Think about that. I want you to, real, to see what happens. I want you to see what happens. The first thing that uh, the David did, and that is in verse... Uh, in verse 6, uh, let's read the whole of verse 6. This is what David did. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But look at the first thing that David did. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. You see, this is the first thing that we ought to do. You know, you, you have to have that kind of walk with God. You have to have that kind of separating experience with God that when everything else turns south, the only thing you can do and the first thing that you can do is to encourage yourself in the Lord. You all know that I love my wife. And also my family. I got my in-laws here. I got my, uh, my other family back in Kenya. And you see, a lot of times I'm haunted by the fact that probably I've not even spent enough time with them. And, uh, and even my wife has reminded me a lot of times, you know, don't, don't let that guilt, you know, don't, don't be guilty about it. You've given your best. But you see, a lot of times I'm also, you know, uh, I just struggle with that thought that maybe as much as I love them, 
And, and as much as their love and their, and their devote is to me, they cannot really do what God can do for me. They cannot. But you see, that's such a hard lesson to learn. It's such a hard lesson to learn. You know, but notice the language that God is using here. Very clear and very simple. You know, we may reach for a book. We may reach for a nice magazine. We may even uh, turn on the TV to watch something to try and relieve the stress. But you see what David does? He encouraged himself in the Lord. He encouraged himself in the Lord. You know, he, if David thinks that he had a really hard time, you know, but yeah, he's just about to have the burden of the whole nation on him. He's about to be the king. He's, he's going to have the toughest job on earth, literally. But God says, before you sit on that throne of Israel, before you become what I want you to become, you have to go through Ziklag. You have to go through Ziklag. And you see, he, and before going, and going to Ziklag, he had to encourage himself in the Lord. And realized that he had no one left but God. No one left. That's a great lesson in life. That's a great lesson that we all need to learn. And you see, before we get to our Jerusalem, before we get to that point, before we get to whatever God has placed us to do, I said, you must go through your Ziklag. And you see, your Ziklag is your hour of great disappointment. Either many times you're by yourself or with other people. And you see, the reason why God takes you to Ziklag is because he wants, to, he wants to bring you to the end of yourself. And when he brings you to the end of yourself, he wants you to realize that you're nothing and he is everything. That you are small and he's big. And you're very insignificant. And he is all you need. Because that's the Ziklag. And see the second thing that, uh, that David did. It's found in verse 7. And David said to Abather the priest, Ahimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me thither the ephod. And Abather brought thither the ephod to David. And David inquired of the Lord. The second thing that David did, he inquired of the Lord. And he wants us to inquire of the Lord. And so, I want you, again, to walk with me on that hillside. And when you walk on that hillside, what you find is just ruins. Everything is burned. Your family is taken captives. You know, uh, daughters, sons, children, everything. But you see, a lot of times, the first thing we do, we take matters into our own hands. We speak when we ought to be quiet. We take the first reaction, we get angry. We scream because, uh, just because you're angry, we make mistakes and we end up hurting people or we end up making many mistakes and we cause damage that's untold. But you see what David does? The first thing, he encouraged himself in the Lord. And the second thing what he did, he inquired of the Lord and he, he asked the Lord, now, because this is, has happened, what do you want me to do? God, tell me what you want me to do. 
He inquired of the Lord. And look with me at the inquiry. Verse 8, and David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this trip? He inquiring of the Lord, Shall I pursue them? He did not take matters into his own hand. Shall I overtake them? And he answered, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail, recover all. So we find after he encouraged himself in the Lord, the next thing he inquired, just because before he took off, before he acted, before his natural response, he inquired of the Lord, just asking God, what do I do next? What do I do next? What do I do next? And so what do we learn here? What we learn here is that if a man is going to be king of his home, here of his business, of his job, in the lives of his children, in the work of the Lord, anywhere working with young people. If we are going to be the king and to get to our Jerusalem, to get where God wants us to get to, we have to go through our own ziklag that brings us to the end of ourselves and when we come to that end of ourselves, then realize all we need is God. And we cannot do anything without God. And so David asked God, what do you want me to do? Shall I pursue them? And you see, he waited for that greatness from God. And God tells him, pursue. And so God gives him the green light to go and pursue. And you see, when he went to pursue, what happened? He recovered all. You know what God is telling us to do? When I take you through Ziklag, when you wait on my prompting, when you find that inner strength from me, when you inquire of me, when you go my direction, not your own direction, you will recover all and you will get to the Jerusalem that I have for you. And so, church, tonight, maybe you're that person. Then right now, you're, you're going through Ziklag right now, and you wonder, God, I thought literally going to Jerusalem is this short distance. I literally thought go, going to college is just graduating from high school and stepping straight into college because it looks very shorter. You know, literally, you know, graduating from high school, you go to college, it looks very short, a year. But God taking you through a ziklag, and you wonder why? No, because God is teaching you something. Well, maybe you're there and you haven't trusted Christ as your Lord, and God wants to use you. Maybe God has placed this thing in your heart and you haven't done it. But now you realize why, because God has been taking you through ziklag. And probably right now you almost threw that ziklag because God is preparing you for greater things that you don't even know. And I pray tonight that you realize that God does not do anything by mistake. It's because the road to Jerusalem goes through ziklag. Are you in your own ziklag? Have you gone through ziklag? Have, have you had a separating experience with God? And I'll invite uh, Brother John to come and do the invitation. Let us pray. Father, I pray that tonight you speak to us and encourage us. Help us to find strength in you. 
Lord, and when you take us through Ziklag, Lord, help us to realize that it's for our own good and that you have great things for us. And Lord, we just look forward to you using that in a great way. In Christ's name we pray, amen.